When my parents had their family friends over, they would pull an all-nighter sometimes just playing mahjong or playing cards. They drink Chinese liquor and they had like a wild time. They definitely knew how to have fun. Welcome to Growing Up Immigrant. We're a group of multicultural friends who grew up in immigrant families in Toronto. Each episode, we discuss a different topic through the lens of our respective cultures. As a disclaimer, we obviously don't speak for everyone from our cultural group, but we do share stories that we think all kids of immigrants can relate to. This is episode two. On today's episode, we talk about unspoken household rules which is only fitting since at least here in Toronto, we are still in lockdown. I feel like growing up immigrant, so much happened in the house. Join us as we discuss appliances our family never used, protocols when you have guests over, and of course, those royal Danish cookie tins, and lots more. Before we dive in, allow us to introduce ourselves. My name is Lucy, and I was born in China and moved to Canada when I was six. What you could always find in my immigrant family house were slippers, a plethora of slippers, slippers for everyone, slippers in all different colors, plastic, plush, everything, hotel slippers. You could find them in my house. Hi, my name is Dipti. I'm Indian Canadian. I lived in South Africa and then moved to Canada when I was 12. What you could find in my immigrant household was trinkets and curios from literally every little place that they visited. So in every corner of our house, there's either like a bedazzled elephant or a wooden giraffe in the corner, just lots of little trinkets. My name is Lamise. I'm Lebanese Canadian. I was born in Canada to Lebanese parents. And what you could always find in our immigrant household was plaques, I guess you could call them, with engraved Arabic quotes. And I don't know how many my parents collected over the years or where they even bought them from. They just kind of appeared on the walls <laughs> one after the other. And they'd say things like welcome or quotes about family. And they just are in every corner of my parents' house. Hi, my name is Miri. I am Sri Lankan Canadian. I was born in Vancouver to Sri Lankan parents. At my house, something you could always find was food. People would drop in unannounced and my mom would somehow prepare fresh food and have it ready to go for whoever showed up. Hi, my name is Arianne Tong. I'm a stand-up comedian, first-generation Canadian, and my parents come from Guyana. One thing that you could always find in my house was always like a takeout container full of West Indian food. Actually, there's a few different things at our household. So that was one of them. Another thing that you could find in our fridge was a pepper sauce. Uh, that's pepper sauce, but with a little West Indian flair. And oh, every Guyanese man must have either a Guyana flag in their man cave or a full-on cutout of the country, just so you remember the shape of the motherland. <laughs> that's amazing. These are awesome and definitely relatable. Let's get started. First, I mentioned slippers. Obviously, taking your shoes off, I feel like, is a very important thing in immigrant family households. I'd love to hear from you guys. Was that something that was heavily enforced in your family? Was it weird for you to see 
your friends maybe who weren't immigrants or didn't grow up in immigrant backgrounds not taking their shoes off? Definitely. Uh, I always to this day cringe whenever I see an American show have one of their characters on the bed with the shoes on. It viscerally does not agree with me. It's definitely a rule for my family here in Canada and even my entire extended family. And really, I've never walked into anybody's house in Canada, friends or family, where we kept their shoes on. But it's not really a cultural rule for us. So back home in Lebanon, it would actually be really disrespectful to take your shoes off in the house because feet are seen as kind of disrespectful or dirty. So exposing like your feet to somebody is of an intimate gesture, you wouldn't like walk into someone's house and take your shoes off. It was definitely also a very serious rule in our household. And to this day, I'm very alarmed if people are wearing shoes indoors anywhere. And I feel personally disrespected if someone comes into my house and still leaves their shoes on. I think it's for the most part a cleanliness thing and just out of respect to the home. But interestingly, when Lemise, you were talking about how feet are considered a sign of disrespect, like showing your feet in Lebanese culture. I don't know if it's the opposite that they're like revered in Indian culture or anything, but a sign of respect to elders is to bow down <laughs> at to touch a, an elder person's feet when you meet them. So I don't think that's to do with the feet, more to do with just maybe like the act of bowing is a sign of respect. But Maybe we could do another episode on feet and cultures. <laughs> That's really interesting. I had, I had no idea. Fascinating to hear those differences. So my parents, and now I do this as well, whenever we go to different hotels, we'll just take the slippers home. And I feel like we've hoarded tons of slippers just from different places. And that brings me to the topic of hoarding, which I feel like immigrant parents, maybe specifically moms, do a lot. Maybe dads too. I know for us in our house, we hoarded Tupperware or just like plastic containers, like yogurt containers and, and stuff like that to reuse. I feel like my mom just never wanted to throw that stuff out or anything from glass. Like even one time I got these yogurts that were kind of fancier in glass and she never threw the glass out. I was like, they're pointless. What are you going to do with these tiny yogurt glass containers? But she still kept them. But I'd love to hear from you guys what kinds of things your family would hoard in your house. I'm going to say pretty much everything. But another really random thing that I recently confronted my mom about <laughs> is just linens of all types. So, you know, over years or decades, probably, you accumulate different bed sheets, towels, and then you eventually buy new ones. But my mom has kept all the old ones just in case they are entertaining like 30 different guests sleeping over at once, which has never <laughs> happened. But there's just full sheet sets and towel sets that are just sitting in closets. My parents also had a lot of extra stuff. So especially we had these things called floor towels is what we call them. And you use them for mopping and rag use. When I moved out, I didn't have a single floor towel. So I did not know, like, am I supposed to take a perfectly good towel and turn it into a floor towel? How does something reach that status? <laughs> that is amazing. I highly identify with the floor towel situation. We have a whole basket full of discarded towels that are now used for like random incidents that might occur in the house. I have aunts that hoard 
samples. So if they get any sample whatsoever from like a beauty kiosk or like they go to a hotel room and they get the shampoos and and the soaps and stuff, I will have one aunt who literally drops these off to me. And she's like, just in case you needed some extras, why would I need extras? I can go to the store and get get a full bottle of shampoo. I don't need a bunch of little random travel-sized ones for everyday use. It's so funny though, because I guess they are being resourceful and maybe they had to scrimp and save for everything back in the day and they didn't know what was coming next. My parents, they're also huge hoarders of everything that you guys have mentioned and more. They've been in their current house our childhood home for so many years. One day I came back home and I, and I saw that my parents had turned one of the extra bedrooms into just like, they built closets to store all the stuff they had hoarded, not to throw it out, but just to like inventory it for the future in case. And it extends from everything from plastic bags to souvenirs to sandals from like 20 years ago. It's really out of hand. My parents did move back in 2003. And when we were moving to Toronto, they busted out all of the original boxes for so many of our items, including our TV from 1996. That's so funny. My parents do the same and they say, maybe we'll return these items like five years from now. You never know. Another thing that they hoard is the manuals for every single item. Yes. You're never going to need a manual for your toaster. Like you're not going to look it up in five years from now and wonder how to increase the heat settings. When I donate clothes now, I have to do it secretly so that my mom doesn't know because she will get mad at me. And she'll come into my closet. She'll be like, where was that shirt from 2004 that you wore like on this trip? I'm like, I don't have that anymore. I I gave that away. She'll get upset about it. (laughs) It's funny that we're all talking about our parents being hoarders when I really thought mine were the only ones. But now that I'm thinking about it, And if we're all having this shared experience, I'm wondering if it's not that they're hoarders, it's just North American culture is super wasteful. So the cultures they might have come from, like I know where my parents are from, they hold on to items for years. Like there's heirloom items that get passed on through generations. And it's just in North America where everything is treated as disposable. And it could also be that, you know, when they came to Canada, they just didn't come with much. And I know a lot of immigrants have that kind of scarcity mentality where you just feel like, you know, you don't have enough things or not enough money and they hold on to their possessions as a sense of security. So it could be just a lot of that and not so much individual quirks of our parents, which is what I originally thought it was growing up. That's a good point, Lamise. I think our parents have a hard time parting with things because to them, Their stuff gives them the comfort of being grounded and having a home. And they don't want to waste things. They think that perfectly fine things should be reused. They're like OG sustainability. Speaking of reusing things, we have to talk about those royal Danish cookies. First of all, the cookies, I didn't even think were very good, to be honest. But that tin was definitely reused for other things. That tin is incredible because you knew where you stood in someone's life if you got that tin. Because that's not like a close friend gift. That's like a see you once a year, but it's your birthday and I don't know what else to get you gift. Yeah, yeah. Like, I don't really know you very well, but Merry Christmas kind of a thing. Yeah. (laughs) This is similar to like the yogurt containers. Where you go into the fridge thinking you're going to open up and get yogurt, but then it's a container full of dal. 
those containers were used for everything until like our parents graduated and bought glass containers because plastic's going to kill us all. And uh, then you got to actually see what food you were serving before you put on your plate. Yes, very true. Very deceptive. I don't know about you guys, but when your parents give you food to take back to wherever you are, so presumably you go visit them, they give you some food in a container. Do they always hound you to get that container back no matter what? Like it's a gold bar. They just don't want to lose that container whatsoever. Like, you know, we're in the family, right? I see you a couple times a month. It's not going anywhere. You'll get your container back, guys. It's fine. Dipti's being silent because once... She gave me food in some Tupperware and was literally like, I don't mind giving you the food, but I better get this Tupperware back. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I totally, I need my Tupperwares back. They mean a lot to me, even if they weren't expensive. So I am on our parents' side. And actually, one time, Lamise had given me some leftovers and she gave it to me in a Ziploc bag container. And, and I was like, well, thank you. I'll definitely return the container like 100%. And she was like, what? No, you don't have to. And I was shocked that I didn't have to return. I thought that was the most generous gift I could have ever received. Not just the food, but like with the container that I didn't have to return. I, I was thinking the same thing because you were like, no, no, like I'll carry it out in my hands. And I was like, you can just take the container, just keep it. I've got a whole bunch probably that I stole from my mom, to be honest. I never returned them to her. Since we're talking about Tupperware, I feel like it's in the realm of the kitchen. And we never had a dishwasher growing up. But even when we finally moved into a house where we did have a dishwasher, my mom never used it. Another thing that we didn't really use a lot was the oven growing up. It just wasn't a very common thing for us to bake or anything like that. And I feel like to this day, you know, I remember being younger and at school, there'd be a bake sale and then all these other kids, their moms would bake cookies. And I was like, can you bake something? She's like, I don't know how to bake. And we just have to get store-bought cookies for the bake sale. It's funny because I have uh, another Chinese friend, Lucy, and she was searching for a house to buy. And she's like, oh, you know, if you buy from a previous owner, who's Chinese, you know, the oven's in great shape because Chinese people yeah. don't use their ovens. And I was really surprised by that because we, we do use the oven a lot. And my mom did, but not the dishwasher. So I definitely relate on that. My mom's line was always, no, I can, I can wash them faster by hand. She just wasn't used to it. But finally, when we convinced her to actually use it as a dishwasher, she's kind of semi-convinced like in some situations she will use it but it's it's not a common thing to use. We also didn't really use the oven much and I realized later in life that we never had a toaster and we did have toasted bread a lot but we would just like warm it on a pan which I find kind of barbaric now. I don't know why like a toaster was such a like a simple appliance. I don't know why we didn't get it. Another appliance that comes to mind is our kettle. Indian people drink a lot of tea, like every few hours, water's being boiled for tea. And we just would have the dingiest little kettle that for something that was used so often, like why couldn't we just splurge and replace it like every year or like get a higher end one that we didn't have to replace so often. It was like a Walmart $15 kettle that was used to the bone. So actually, now that I think about it, maybe I should just give my parents a nice kettle. Yeah, that's so relatable, Dipti, because in Chinese culture too, everyone drinks hot water. To this day, my parents will not drink water from the tap. And so they finally have a stainless steel kettle now. It's pretty nice. I've used it, but I definitely relate to the dingiest kettle. 
So with respect to using the oven, we did use the oven. However, it was also a storage, like a large storage area. There'd always be the egg pan in there and then a pan with some oil in it. Something that was used to like fry potatoes or something like that. And it could be used again. So it's not going to get tossed out and it's going to sit in the oven. And if me and my sister decided we wanted to bake cookies before you preheat, you have to check the oven and see what's in there because otherwise you could be setting the house on fire. Miri, that is us to a T. So there's always a pot of oil in the oven at all times in all Lebanese households. That's how you fry things and you save the oil. And to this day, my husband and I, every single time we open, we, we want to use the oven, we check it and we always say, oh, there's no oil, even though we've never once fried anything in the house or put oil in there. It's just ingrained in both of us for our whole lives. We have to check for the pot of oil. It's funny because like that seems like a pretty big safety hazard, which actually brings me to the idea of, I guess, safety and security. My parents at our house, they're obsessed with being secure. Like we have an alarm system. You always have to put it on at night and, and whenever you leave. And I don't know if you guys do this, but my mom has timers around the house for certain lamps so that they turn on at night. So even if we're not at home, people will think that we're at home as like an additional security thing. Yeah, my mom does a similar thing. Like our house was never to be unlocked uh, if we weren't at home. Even if we were going out to check the mail, like you lock the door just in case somebody's trying to come in there and cause some trouble. Oh, yeah, she would do the lamp thing as well. Like if the sun was still up, she was like, turn on the lamp because by the time you get home, it's going to be dark out and we don't want people to think that the house is empty. I don't know whether it was my mom's anxiety or an immigrant thing, but apparently it could be. The extent of my parents' security system was an ADT sign that's on our front lawn. <laughs> that's amazing. <laughs> Nothing is in place. And my parents hold it there proudly. Oh my God. That reminds me of when we were younger, we had a mailbox out front and it had the biggest sign of like, beware of dog. And we definitely did not have a dog <laughs> around. And I just took it for granted. I was like, where's this dog? I guess everyone just has this at their house. Like, <laughs> So good. That ADT, the fake, uh, the decoy is hilarious. I love that. <laughs> <laughs> That's smart because you don't have to pay for the system. You just have the sign. Does the same thing. I think my parents' security system was immigrating to Canada because now that I reflect on it, we're pretty like easygoing on that stuff at our home here. When we lived in South Africa, it was a whole different story. I'm pretty sure we had gates around our windows and, and everything. So Canada is pretty safe. So I don't think they feel the need to spend on security here. My parents, I don't know if your parents have done this. I know a lot of Lebanese houses have an actual safe or they just really believe in safes for like your valuables. And I mean, I personally don't have one in my house. And my dad's always like, oh, just bring your jewelry. I'll put it in my safe. And I'm like, I, I don't really think it's that big of a deal or that valuable, but it's just a really big deal that they've got their passports in there, important documents. You know, jewelry is like a really big deal in our culture. And, he, and he's, he's said it several times, like, we need to get a safe for our house and we don't have a safe. <laughs> I don't know about your dad's, but my dad definitely had money just stored around in different pockets of the house. I don't think he trusted banks that much. 
but he definitely thought that his filing system was better than any Canadian bank, apparently. There's still probably money stashed around the house that I don't know about. So (laughs) just always a treasure hunt whenever going back home. My parents are all about having a bank locker. I don't even know if it seems so like obsolete. Does anyone use lockers? Yes, they do. My mom tells me like pretty often like, oh, have you opened up a bank locker? And I really don't get the concept of it. I guess they store like all their prized possessions in there. So my parents also have a bank locker, but they have a home one for things that they need like quicker or easier access to. So they've got a two safe locker situation. So my mom, from the time that I've gotten married, has said, you need to get your name in on a wait list to get a safety deposit box and you need to get the largest one they'll sell you. And I thought this is crazy. There are banks everywhere. I can easily get a safety deposit box when I want one. I'm on like three waiting lists now (laughs) and they're not easy to come by. So ladies, I recommend all of you who want a safety deposit box, get your name on a wait list. Wow. I had, I literally had no idea that anybody other than my parents used one, (laughs) but this is good to know. It's funny. We all have them. Why don't we talk about having guests over? I feel like that's always a lot of fun and definitely unspoken rules when guests come over. When your family friends come over, do your parents make you come downstairs and formally greet them and they get mad at you if you don't? 100%. That was probably when I knew we were talking about house rules today. I thought that was the one rule I really thought was like heavily enforced at my house. If guests came over... We absolutely had to go out and greet them and then come back out to say goodbye after. Yeah. So Lebanese people are are known to be like really warm and hospitable. And it's like such an important part of our culture. But to my probably cold and westernized heart, I thought they took it too far sometimes where they're too hospitable. So there's so many examples from my childhood where we would be going out to a restaurant or going on a day trip or something and somebody would call that they're coming over right now or they're coming over later. And my parents would say, you know, oh, yeah, we're free. We're home and like make us go back home and pretend we weren't going anywhere. Is this a thing in in other cultures for guests? Like you can't say no to a guest in any situation. Yes. If I was bored, because it was just a bunch of adults, I was the only kid. My parents would be like, no, you need to stay. You need to stay. You need to smile. You need to be part of the conversation. And you just had to be there for some reason, even if you didn't really do much. I can definitely relate because all of my family get togethers were just me wanting to be somewhere else. (laughs) And my my mom and my aunts just kind of forcing me to participate and and forcing me to be in the physical space, even though I was not contributing whatsoever. I can definitely relate as well. Guests were godlike in my house growing up to the point where I knew when people were coming over, I would get kind of upset about it, even if it was people that I'd like, because it was such a production leading up to the guest's arrival. We had to spend like a full day or multiple days preparing, like at least one day, like deep cleaning the house and everyone had to be involved in it. And my mom would be cooking for like a couple of days leading up to it. It was like so much work. I remember like thinking that it just wasn't fun. Such a simple thing, like having your friends come over. It wasn't fun for me. When we were young, it's the same culture where guest is God. And that was like an often used phrase. And we even had the downstairs washroom was like, oh no, that's for guests. If you have to pee, you had to go to like the other washroom. 
And I think it was my mom's way of reducing her cleaning workload. But whenever people would come, everyone would be sitting in the living room and all the kids would be like kind of quiet and respond to questions that were asked of them. Except all that everyone really wanted to do was go to the basement and play ping pong. So we just have to put in our time like with the adults, participate and like talk about school, all of that. And then once they were done with us and they wanted to talk about their own topics, then we had real freedom. We went downstairs and had fun with our friends. That is very accurate. I related to what Dipti said about the whole house being a production at least a couple days before. To this day, my mom will curse me if I just show up randomly with friends or like give her 24 hours notice because obviously the house needs to be that deep clean, as you said. It was definitely a high stress situation leading up to it. But the best part, because my my mom would make so much food. So if we had 10 people coming over, she was cooking for like 50 people, (laughs) like the viewer saying leading up for like days. So the best part was the entire week after guests left, we just had the best food leftovers that lasted pretty much an entire week to enjoy. Yeah, that's so relatable. When my parents had their family friends over, they would still have this exorbitant spread of snacks, a lot of nuts, a lot of fruit. Chinese people love sunflower seeds and watermelon seeds. That is like a go-to snack. And then a bunch of like random other Chinese snacks. And it would just all be laid out beautifully on the table for everyone. People would eat like one or two. You'd have tons left over. One other thing, did you guys have to do like an impromptu talent show when your family friends came over and all the kids had to perform their talent, whether it was like playing the violin or playing a song on the piano or like a dance that you had just learned? And then our parents were judged based on the performances of the kids. I can't say that it was a talent show, but our parents would put us on the spot. Parents would say, oh, go bring that picture you drew. And it was just like they put you on the spot in the moment and you'd just be so embarrassed about it. But it wasn't like a talent show per se. But I do like that idea. We should make our kids do that in the future. Sure. So my parents always wanted to put their best foot forward. And because of that, I was never asked to do a song on the piano or sing. Both of my siblings are far more talented than me. So they were always asked to like play a song or do something to show off their talents. My parents had three shots and I definitely wasn't the one they were willing to showcase. (laughs) I can relate to that, Neri. Lucy, when you asked the question, I, I was thinking my parents would have loved to do that if I had any talents to showcase. But what they would do is talk about my achievements that were going on in my life, like right then and there in front of me. And it was very uncomfortable because... Everyone would be like forced to congratulate me for like getting an 80 in a science test or something. I'd just be like, thank you. But yeah, that was about it. (laughs) And did you guys find that when your guests finally left that it took like an hour just to say bye to them? First, you discuss leaving and then you have to retort by being like, no, don't leave. And then it's this back and forth and they put their shoes on and you're like talking to them while they put their shoes on. That's like another 20 minutes. And then they're finally out the door. You're talking at their car. They get in the car. You're chatting. I don't know if this is a thing in other cultures, but (laughs) I'm like laughing just thinking about this. When they pull out of the driveway, you have to wave at them. Yes. Yes. 100%. 
I love how we all instantly reacted to this. Yeah. But don't you find, I mean, when we get together with us or, you know, with other friends, like we end up doing the same thing. And every single time we're like, oh my God, we've become our parents because the goodbyes last an hour. And then it's just ingrained in us. Like you have to go outside and wave down the car until pulls around the corner a hundred percent i'm pretty sure neary and ryan were waving and like they walked onto the road then we're like walking a bit behind our car like as we were leaving <laughs> when we were driving away we just kept looking and they were like still walking towards our car are they gonna follow us <laughs> <laughs> you gotta put your window down too so they could see you oh yeah and my husband and i felt so rude during the winter time because we had you know a little baby but it was so ingrained in us like you have to go outside and say goodbye to guests but we had like a young baby who wasn't dressed for the weather so we're just like throwing blankets on her to just like wrap her up just so we could because we can't just stay inside when guests are leaving no it's just impossible it's inappropriate to this day i feel weird closing the door when someone leaves from the inside i just want to quickly say that i get why they did that because goodbyes are hard the next time we all actually meet in person i'm gonna make sure that goodbye is like three hours long so true In my language, this is normally the way that the goodbye ends. Someone will say, like in Tamil, it's poitavarin, which means I'm going, but I'm coming back. And there is no actual word for goodbye in the language. That's always like the final sentence that someone says, and then people actually leave the house. I love that. That's so nice. All right. Why don't we wrap things up and let's close with what did you love about your house growing up? So for me, I really loved our family pictures. So especially in Chinese culture, we did a lot of family portraits. So with my grandparents, with my aunts and uncles, every time we went back to China, we'd go to one of those portrait studios and get a family portrait done. I don't know if that's a thing in other people's cultures, but in Chinese culture, that's huge. And so we'd always have these pictures of our families around the house. And my grandparents have passed and we still have those photos. So it's just really nice to kind of see them and have them around the house still. So that's one thing that I really loved about our house. What I love about my house is that it was always a work in progress. My mom really loved to renovate whenever she got a chance. And I really love to this day being around a renovated space because it reminds me of my childhood for some reason. And I'd have my uncles and aunts come over and they'd be helping with stuff. And my uncle, who was a woodworker and various family friends that would come over and we'd make an occasion over fixing something that was happening in the garage or the kitchen or something. And there's memories I have of specific people all over the house, which I've lived in pretty much up until I moved out and my mom still lives there. So it's really going to be hard to say goodbye to that space if ever that day comes, just because there's so much history involved in it. What I really loved growing up in our house was family meals. Just that's when our best family conversations would happen and We'd always linger way after the meal was done and just talk about our days or talk about whatever it was and just kind of banter and tease each other and and laugh. That's just, I have so many warm memories of that. And it was such an amazing daily or at least almost daily tradition we had. And I really hope I can carry that forward. We'll talk more about family dinners maybe in our food episode. Mine is similar to Lamise's. I really loved Saturday mornings in my house growing up. I think everyone was always in a good mood. My mom would prepare like a delicious Indian breakfast and everything was slower. My favorite thing about my house was that it was always open 
and always welcoming to like anybody. This was especially true in Vancouver, where my dad, if he met a Sri Lankan person or someone who had even heard of Sri Lanka on the street, he'd be like, you have to come over and meet my family. Because it was so rare to see someone who was aware of where we were from or possibly connected with someone from Sri Lanka. It's always been a bit of a house where anyone can come anytime and my mom will help you. She helped multiple refugees like find apartments and stuff like that just because there is no family and you have to create one when you live in a kind of a isolated environment. Absolutely. That's great. We hope you enjoyed episode two. Many of our parents didn't come here with a lot. And to see our families now owning their own homes and living comfortably is really a testament to their hard work and perseverance. Ultimately, having friends over and a lot of these other customs and rules that we discussed is kind of a nod to how they grew up and a way of being connected to their past and their heritage. It's bringing a little bit of the comforts of their first home here to their new home in Canada. Thank you for listening to this episode of Growing Up Immigrant. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Be sure to connect with us at Growing Up Immigrant Pod on Instagram and at Grow Up Immigrant on Twitter. See you next time.